gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah. So easily offended. Uh. The Weekend Wager with Anita Marks starts now. Dollar, dollar. Anita Marks with you on 98.70 FPN. It is Weekend Wager brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Man, oh man. Hello, 76ers. Taking care of the Miami Heat, 99-79, to beat them by 20 points. Put up 31 points in the fourth quarter, held the Miami Heat to 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jimmy Butler got his 33 points, nine rebounds, two assists, had two steals. That was one of my favorite prop bets heading into this matchup was Jimmy Butler over one and a half steals. Um, He typically posts two steals a game whenever he does go up against the 76ers, so that hit, but... If you were laying the one and a half uh, with the Miami Heat like I did, <laughs> oh, big time losers. Also, I had the team total over 105 and a half for the Miami Heat. Nope, that didn't happen either. Only 79 points. Are you kidding me? So now uh, this series, uh, Miami's still up 2-1 in this series, but Eric Spolstra, uh, that Miami Heat team, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. That's for sure, considering that Joel Embiid is back in action. Now he only, I say only, he only put up 18 points, but he had 11 rebounds, one assist. But obviously his presence on the court, and he played 36 minutes. So I hosted a bet, our uh, our digital show earlier today, um, part of our, our, our gambling platform at ESPN, and I had Tim Bocamps uh, on Botimps on with us, and, uh, and, and he was in Philadelphia and I, I was asking him, okay, is, is Embiid going to play? And he said, as of right now, we're, 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 we have the feeling that, yes, Embiid is going to play. Okay, will he be limited in minutes? Uh, no, if he's going to play, he, it's, he's all in. There's not, he's not going to be on a quote-unquote minute count. And sure enough, that wasn't the case. So uh, all five starters for the 76ers played over 30 minutes. You had Tobias Harris, who played 39 Danny Green, 34, Embiid, 36, Maxi 39, Harden, 38. Harden had 17 points, eight rebounds, six assists. So um, kind of almost on his way to a, a triple-double. So did Tobias Harris. And, like, let's tip, at least let's, in my opinion, like tip my hat to Tobias Harris. This is a guy that um, that, that I've been fading in the postseason, because to me, it's really it's it's more about Harden Maxi than it is about Harris. But he has delivered. Granted, only nine points, but ten rebounds and eight assists. Everybody getting in on the action. Everybody a big part of this win for the 76ers. And now uh, with Embiid back, boy, this has made it a series, has it not? Uh, as for the Miami Heat, like I said, uh, Butler thirty-three points, nine rebounds, two assists. Um, Lowry, zero points, only three assists, four rebounds. So it's really interesting heading into this matchup. It was a big deal that Lowry had made the trip, went to Philadelphia. There was expectations that he was going to play and by him, him being active, at least the assumption that he was going to be active, uh, would, would benefit the Miami heat in a big way. Meanwhile, for Embiid heading into this game, even like an hour before game time, uh, there was still some talk and speculation whether or not, A, would he play? Um, how effective would he be? 
would he be on a minute count? All that, all, all of that was was in discussion. And you, and again, I, I mean, you look at his stat line: eighteen points, eleven rebounds, so very solid and strong in the paint. One assist, but meanwhile for Lowry, zero points, only three assists and four rebounds. Played twenty five minutes. What does that do for you? Not much. So. Um, it's, uh, this, this definitely has become a series. That's, that's for sure. So now again, Philadelphia, they take care of the Miami heat at home. So now the series is two one Miami's still up. They won their first two games in Miami. And, uh, and so now we've got another game in action and that is the Dallas Mavericks at home now going up against the Phoenix suns and they are up right now, 22 to 15, 22 to 15, Dallas is up. So I, I will keep you up to speed on this game throughout the show. Uh, Devin Booker already has six points and, uh, and two rebounds. Uh, Crowder's got five points. As for the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Luka has two points, six rebounds, and four assists. So if you played the, the par, the points, assist, and, and, uh, and rebounds for Luka, the fact that he already has six rebounds and we still have about four minutes left in the first quarter definitely bodes well for you, that's for sure. Also, a lot of talk and and heat that Brunson has been taking in this series. He already has ten points um, and uh, one for one from downtown. So uh, good for Brunson. I, I I like him. I think he's great. Um, definitely, his star has uh, has has been shining ever since uh, they uh, they got rid of KP, and he's now that that second fiddle to Luca. So again. I will keep you up to speed on that game as well. Uh, before we take our first break, there is one more play that you can make, and it is a, uh, a, a Major League Baseball game. First pitch is in about, oh, seven minutes, so you still have time to get in on it, and it's the Cardinals at San Francisco taking on the Giants. Now, the Giants have lost four straight. Um, but they have Alex Cobb on the bump for them tonight. He's 1-1 one one with a 5-4-0 ERA. Here's the thing. He hasn't given up one home run this season. So even though his ERA isn't great, he's actually, his outings haven't been absolutely horrible. Also, the Giants, unfortunately, and very uncharacteristic of them of their offense, uh, they've, they're only averaging one run per game. I think that changes tonight. As for the Cardinals, they've got Jordan Hicks on the bump. Now, granted, his fastball, over 100 miles an hour, uh, predominantly, but he's 1-2 with a 3.65 ERA, and really the big question mark with him is, is his command. So my play in this game is I, I do like the Giants um, on, on the money line. So that would be my play. Again, first pitch is, uh, is at 10.15. So, uh, and you could get in that. You've got about six minutes to get in on that action. Um, in regard to the Heat, the Heat were favored by one and a half. The team total over was 105 and a half. The over was 210 and a half. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I truly believe Vegas uh, made out big time tonight in regard to that matchup. Um, as, for, uh, as for this Dallas-Phoenix uh, Suns game, uh, this is a, a, a Dallas team that um, uh, they, were, they were favored by one at home. So if you played the Suns, you were getting a point. Maybe you played the Suns on the money line. Uh, because as we know, the Suns are up on the series 2-0. Maybe you didn't have a lot of confidence in this Dallas Mavericks team. The over-under is at 219 and a half. Um, 
the prop bets that I really liked in this matchup was Luca over 33 and a half points and over three and a half three pointers, uh, but uh, not not doing more, being more the facilitator, and also uh, strong in the paint with six rebounds, four assists, but only two points. Who's he feeding? Brunson. Brunson's got 10 points on the night so far. Again, a little less than four minutes left in the first quarter. So that's where those two teams and those two games, I should say, stand right now. Um, Quick break. We come back. Let's look forward to tomorrow. We've got the Celtics and the Bucks going at it, as well as the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Also, this hour, Greg Wyshynski is going to join me, a.k.a. we like to call him the Puck Daddy. We do a deep dive into tomorrow's NHL action and specifically the Rangers uh, taking on the Penguins, of course. Uh, Penguins working with their third goalie. That's not going to go. That's absolutely not going to bode well for them. But uh, but Greg gives us some of his plays for tomorrow's NHL action, which is exciting. David Behrman, as always, joins us at 11 o'clock. We'll do a deep dive into the Wells Fargo golf tournament. Hope. Hopefully give you some winners, what to play heading into Saturday and Sunday, the weekend. Weather conditions not going to be great here in the Northeast. And guess what? Not great down in our nation's capital as well. So uh, what are the players that you need to be focusing in on who do play well in temperatures that are in the 50s, uh, wind gust up to 30 miles an hour, uh, and rain? We will get you up to speed. And also don't forget tomorrow is the first leg of the Triple Crown. That's right, the Kentucky Derby. We will get you ready. Uh, Mark DiLorenzo from Giddy Up Bets joins us on the show at 11.30 uh, with a deep dive into all 20 horses, okay, 20. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a jam-packed field, that's for sure. Um, post time tomorrow is at 6.57, so close to 7 o'clock. And... Um, and we'll break it down for you if, if you were uh, if you were considering going to any window. And of course, in this day and age of uh, of sports gambling and sports betting, uh, all you need is a special app or a computer. Uh, we will get you up to speed on exactly how to bet the Kentucky Derby tomorrow evening. So all that we're with you until midnight tonight. Anita Marks with you. It's Weekend Wager here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Right here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Anita Marks with you. It is Weekend Wager here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. How many of you believed in the Miami Heat minus one and a half tonight? <laughs> Because I sure did. <laughs> Mama's not buying a new pair of shoes on Monday, that's for sure. Uh want to remind you, uh, we're really excited here at 98.7 ESPN. We have a new ESPN New York app. Get all your favorite 98.7 ESPN radio shows and play-by-play streaming live. Catch up on what you might have missed with daily recap podcasts from DiPietro, Rothenberg, The Michael K Show, Greeny, Enanen, and more, plus streaming exclusives like Game Misconduct, Caught Offside, Flight Deck, and Breaking Big Blue. So it's all new. The ESPN New York app available now on the App Store and Google Play. Your city, your teams, your ESPN New York app. And by the way, uh, saw the numbers today of uh, the number of, of folks that have downloaded it. Really, really, really impressive. So thank you so much. Uh, for all of us, from from all of us here on 98.7 ESPN, 
Uh, really do appreciate it. We see the numbers. We see the number of people who are downloading the app, uh, which is really, really fantastic. So, uh, so thank you very much. Okay. Um, so right now you've got Dallas. They're up 29, 20, uh, the second quarter just started and, uh, this is going to be a good one. I don't know if it's going to be even much better than uh, the than the 76ers beating the Miami Heat by 20 points, but nonetheless, uh, we we still have some games obviously tomorrow that are going to be great. Uh, let's kick it off first and foremost with the Warriors and the Grizzlies. How am I playing this one? Give me the Memphis Grizzlies and the points. Why? Uh, both these and, and by the way, as we know, the series is tied up one one. Um, both these games have been very close. So do I expect the Warriors to win at home after now Gary Payton with a broken elbow, uh, Dylan Brooks out uh, because of quote-unquote foul play, right? Like, um, yeah, I'm sure Warriors are going to come out and they're, they're going to be upset. They're going to be ticked off. You heard our player, Gary Payton's out. Apparently, not only did he break his elbow, but there's, there's some kind of nerve damage um, so chances are he's not going to return for this series. Who knows? He probably is not going to return for the remainder of the postseason. So are the Warriors going to come out, you know, with a chip on their, their shoulder, upset, angry that one of their, one of their guys went down? Absolutely. But, and, and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean, I don't mean to make light of the injury or light of the situation, but a Golden State Warriors team without Gary Payton to me, um, has a is a much larger effect than a than a Grizzlies team without Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is suspended for the game uh, because of the the flagrant foul and and misconduct in, in in his role in hurting Gary Payton. So that's advan- Unfortunately, uh, that's advantage the Grizzlies because again, I, I think the loss of Gary Payton is going to hit the uh, Golden State Warriors mo- more so than loss of Dylan Brooks to the Grizzlies. But again, I- I'm still, I'm playing Memphis. I'm, I'm going to play them with the points, getting the seven because uh, the first two games have been uh, very close, very competitive. Uh, it's come down to like last second shots or fourth quarter heroics, whatever, however you want to, uh, you know, uh, describe it. Um, each, both teams have stars, right, that can take over a game and put up 45 points if they want. Morant, Curry, uh, you know, Poole. I mean, you know, both teams have those kind of playmakers. Um, And this is a Memphis team. Listen, they won six of their last 10. Um, I think Tillman, uh, give me Tillman seven days a week and and, and twice on Saturday over Looney. Um, I just think Memphis checks a lot of boxes. I, I think them getting seven is too much in this series or in this game, I should say. So I'm going to play Memphis plus seven. I'm also going to play the under here uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, The under has hit in five of the last seven games for the Memphis Grizzlies. I I know when we look at these two teams, we immediately think offense, right? Of course. Why not? You've got a a lot of star players um, that each, and like I said, any given night can go off and, and put up 45 points, but this is a Warriors team coming into the postseason, second-best defense in the NBA, only allowing their opponents to score 105 points. This is a Grizzlies defense coming into the postseason, fourth-best defense in the NBA, allowing their opponents only to score 109 points. Believe it or not, the pace of this matchup 
um, is not a fast one. In fact, it, it leans more on the slow side of pace as opposed to the fast. And Desmond Bain, who I've really, really liked this season, um, uh, has been struggling, especially from, from, from downtown. Uh, in the regular season, he was averaging 40% from downtown. In the postseason, uh, especially in this matchup, the first two games, he's at 18%. So I like the under here, the under at 225 and a half. Another thing is when these two teams go up against each other in, in the small sample size that we've had so far this season, um, the, not one game has gone over 216. So I think we're getting really, really good value here at 225 and a half. Okay, so that's how I'm playing the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take the Grizzlies plus seven, and I'm playing the under at two twenty five and a half. As for the Celtics and the Bucks, same thing uh, in regard to the under. Right? You, you look at these teams, you think, oh, Giannis. You think you think Tatum. I mean, Tatum twenty nine points last game he put up, but. The identity of both these teams, the Celtics and the Bucs, are great defenses. And they also play at a slow, a very slow pace. Middleton is out for the series. Um, and even though Jalen Brown last game actually put up significant numbers, uh, but he's struggling with, I want to say it's a hamstring issue. Marcus Smart is struggling with an injury as well. Marcus Smart typically... Uh, you know, contributing 20 points a game in the postseason. That's not happening. And when you talk about this Bucks defense as well as the Celtics, Bucks opponents average only 100 points a game. Celtics opponents only average 103 points a game. And the first two games only average 192 points. And you're telling me I can get the under at 212 and a half? I'm all over that. I'm all over that. So I like the under in both these games tomorrow. And as for the Celtics... Give me the Celtics plus the two. I know the first game Celtics were thrown off, but they were able to adjust. And here's the thing. What makes why I think the Celtics are the better team, better than the Bucs, is because they can make the adjustments. You know, I think that's what makes the Celtics so great. They've won eight of their last 10. Their last game, they built, they beat the Bucs 109 to 86. Like I said, Tatum put up 29 points. But what makes the Celtics much different than the Bucs is they, they have, there's a variety of ways that they can attack you offensively. There's a variety of ways, especially that Robert Williams is healthy. There's a variety of ways that they can defend you. There's just, there, there's so much more that they can do that the Bucs, at the end of the day, offensively, the Bucs, it's all about Giannis, especially now that Middleton is out. So, um, I like both dogs tomorrow, so I'm going to play the Celtics plus two. I'm going to play the Memphis Grizzlies plus seven. And also, uh, even though these are, these are four teams with a lot of star power that makes you say, wow, I'm playing the under in both games. Because you know why? Defense wins championships. And the reason that these two teams are where they're at right now is because of their defense. So I'm playing the under in both these matchups. So that's how I'm playing the two games tomorrow. 800-919-3776. You want to chime in, talk some NBA? Now's the time to do so. I see Brian in West Palm. He wants to talk about the Yankees as well as the Giants draft. Um, so Brian, hang tight. We get back. I'll take your call. 
before we go to uh, Greg Wyshynski. Uh, when, uh, so, so we'll talk Yankees. We'll talk Giants draft with you. And then we'll bring in Greg Wyshynski. We'll uh, do a deep dive into the NHL, as you know. We're in the postseason there as well. And uh, you've got the Rangers taking on the Pelicans tomorrow. So, uh, so Greg Wyshynski is going to break that matchup down for us. How would you play that if you're looking to spend a little coin on your Rangers? Stay tuned. Anita Marks with you. It is Week in Wager, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. More to come. 98.7 ESPN. Back to Week in Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you. Um, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Of course, enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Who other than the puck daddy, Greg Wyshynski, we have on the program to break down some hockey. So, uh, Greg, welcome in. Uh, great to have you on. Really do appreciate you. First and foremost, Edmonton and uh, the LA Kings, they're already going at it. The puck dropped about 30 minutes ago, but a lot of people, you know, we love that in-game betting. Uh, talk about this game and, uh, and, and you know, how you see this, this game ending up tonight. Well, I was interested in the LA Kings team total. It was only two and a half on this game. And the Oilers during the regular season were averaging uh, three goals against per game on the road in particular. I don't necessarily trust their goalie, Mike Smith, to put together back-to-back great efforts in the playoffs. And I figured the Kings being home, they could get the matchups they're looking for. So I was hovering around looking at what the offensive output for the Kings might be in this game beforehand. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, it was a big surprise them winning game one of the series to kind of uh, change the trajectory of things a little bit, and uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, they can come out of at least these next two games with a split. All right, so we really, you know, we, we, we invited you on the show because we want to take a deep dive into Saturday's slate of playoff games, and of course we're going to kick it off with um, what's happening in our own backyard with the Rangers in that series against the uh, the Penguins uh, but the Penguins, uh, some, uh, some, you know, uh, dealing, dealing with, they're on their third goalie, right? Um, so, as I like to say on, on Daily Wager, no bueno. Uh, let's talk about this series. What, what do you like about what you've seen from the Rangers so far? Well, I like, I like the fact, first of all, that when they get their opportunities in the power play, they're absolutely fantastic. And, and I think the Penguins, one of the reasons they were able to win game one and triple overtime was the fact that the Rangers only had one power play in that game, uh, which they converted on in the first period. But after that, it was a bunch of five-on-five play. Um, So that's one thing that obviously is is watching the special teams play in this game, but not only the the Rangers' uh, power play, but also their penalty kill, which has managed to uh, do pretty well against the Penguins in the series. Penguins have not really been able to sustain much pressure on their power play. But the big story here, as you pointed out, is Louis Domingue, uh, the third-string goalie for the Penguins. Uh, He came in in the second overtime of Game 1, Top 17 shots. That was all adrenaline. He's not a very good goalie. In game two, he gave up five goals. Um, he's not. He wasn't bad, but he's not Igor Shcherbin, the Rangers goalie, who he, who uh, Casey DeSmith matched save for save. But now DeSmith is out for the series, out for the playoffs with a uh, with a muscle surgery. So it's Deming's crease for the time being. Uh, this game, Anita, the Penguins, I think, are the better team at five on five. But I simply can't trust that they're going to get the goaltending they need from Deming to uh, win this game or win the series. So I think the Rangers might go up 2-1 uh, after game three. Uh, the series for the Rangers to win is minus 145. Might be a little too much juice for some folks, but maybe not. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you feel that would be a good wager to make right now? I think so. I mean, the, 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 
The only dynamic that is interesting here is if the Penguins can get Tristan Jari, their regular season starter, back in the lineup. Um, but as as of uh, you know late this, late uh, last week, he wasn't skating yet. Uh, so I think there's some concern that he might not be able to make it back to the series. And, and like I said, I mean, between Jari and DeSmith, they might have had a guy that was going to be able to hang in there against Sitchirkin and the Rangers, but I don't have any faith that it's going to be Louis Domingue, um, which is kind of amazing. This, this is with Mark the second straight postseason where Sidney Crosby uh, has been eliminated in the first round because of some goaltending issues with the Penguins. The only caveat I'd give is the fact that Crosby's been playing really well. Uh, his line has been dominant. Uh, Malkin's not been bad. Like the, the Penguins still have those guys that, when they exert their will, could change the outcome of a game. But I just think the goaltending depth, the, the the difference in goal right now between these two teams is too stark. Uh, again, Greg Wyshynski joining us here on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. All right, so uh, so in this game, your 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 uh, Rangers are favored by a goal and a half, and you get that at plus one ninety-five. You can take them. Uh, on the uh, <laughs> the goal line, <laughs> see what I did there uh, at minus one twenty. Um, so, are, are you laying that? Are you are you laying the minus one and a half? And 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 are you going to play the over under in any way at at five and a half? On the Rangers game, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think the I the 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 um, margin of victory we saw from the Rangers in game two, I think, was just that game being a little bit of, out of hand. I tend to believe the Penguins on home ice are going to keep this thing tight. I, I think the Rangers end up winning the game, but I do think the margin of victory uh, could end up being just be a goal. I mean, you know, it's not out of the realm possibility we could see overtime again. Okay, so your play would be Penguins plus one and a half, or would your play be Rangers on minus one twenty straight up? I think straight up. Okay, and do you have a play in the over and under? Uh, that line is at five and a half. Uh, I'd stay away from the over-under. Again, the, the part of this that's very hard to figure out is exactly what the Penguins are going to get out of Louis Domingue in goal. Um, he gave up five mm-hmm. goals in game two, maybe on home ice. They changed some things and try to protect him a little bit more. So I, I don't have a feel as to what the total on this game might be. Uh, there are a number of uh, other games on the slate on Saturday at one o'clock. You've got uh, the Panthers uh, taking on the Capitals. You also have at four thirty Colorado going up against the Predators, and then the late night game around nine thirty is uh, is the Flames against the Stars. Any any plays in these three matchups on Saturday as well? Yeah, there's a team total I'm interested in in that Capitals Panthers game, and it's the Capitals. Uh, their team total for that game is only two and a half goals. Uh, it's around, it was around minus 135 last time I checked. Um, you know, I think the Caps only scoring one goal against the Panthers in game two might have spooked the markets a little bit because this is a pretty, a pretty low price uh, to get the Capitals on home ice, uh, needing to score only three goals in the game. And I say that because Washington averaged uh, 3.15 goals per game at home during the regular season. And they scored five goals in both of their home games against the Florida Panthers this season. So I, I, I was a little surprised to see that number, to be honest with you. And, uh, I, I mean, I hopped on it the minute I saw it. Ooh, I like that. All right. I'll hop on it as soon as we go to a break. Uh, before we let you go, <laughs> let's talk about who you think is going to win this whole damn thing. Um, uh, the Avalanche, Colorado favorite at plus 275. The Panthers, 6-1. to one. The Flames, 7-1. to one. Hurricanes, 7-1 to one as well. Um, at the end of the day, who's left standing, Greg? 
my pick uh, before the playoffs was the Florida Panthers. I felt really bad about that pick after one game, feeling a little bit better about it now. <laughs> they seem to have located their offensive spark. Um, there, to me, the Eastern Conference is, is, is interesting because I feel like there might be an easier pass for the Panthers or for a team like the, the Leafs or the, or the Lightning or, or Carolina than there might be for the Avalanche. I know the Avalanche right now are just demolishing the Nashville Predators, and it's hard not to see them as a potential cup winner. But whoever comes out of this Minnesota-St. Louis series is going to give the Avalanche a real tough series. And assuming that the Calgary Flames are the ones to emerge from the other side of the bracket, that's going to be a really, really tough series for Colorado as well. So I think there's a few more pitfalls there for the Avalanche who have yet to play in a championship round with this current group together. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of interested in the value of the teams coming out of the East potentially. So, uh, so to, to rep to rep the East, the Panthers are uh, plus two two fifty, Hurricanes plus three fifty, Maple Leaves plus four seventy five, Lightning plus five fifty. Um, in the West, you talk about the Flames. Flames three to one. Colorado's plus one fifteen. Yep, and then I, I think there's definitely value uh, in in checking out that Minnesota St. Louis series to see who emerges from there. Uh, because, like I said, I think both those teams in their own ways are, are really built to give Colorado a, a tough series. And if you get past the Avalanche, you can get past anybody. So uh, Minnesota 8-1 to and the Blues are 10-1 to to represent the West. Uh, Greg, you rock. So we so appreciate your time. I know this is a busy time for you. Uh, so thank you so much. Really, really do appreciate it. Enjoy your, uh, enjoy your weekend, my friend. You got it. Anytime. All right. Again, Greg Wyshynski, Anita Marks, uh, you're listening to We Can Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. Brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet, BetMGM Sports. More to come right here on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. Hour two. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. And without further ado, David Behrman joins us. As always, I like to call him the gatekeeper of all things gambling for us at ESPN.com. You could check out our chalk site and it's chalk full of all great nuggets. Uh, our latest column is all about the Kentucky Derby. Getting you ready for that for tomorrow. Uh, golf, NBA, hockey, you name it. We do it all. David, good evening. How you doing? Good. How are you, Anita? How's uh, how's this beautiful Friday rainy night shooting you? Yeah, I don't know if beautiful and rainy. It's is that an oxymoron? I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Um, I've been weather out here. I um I I've been indoors working all day. I had a podcast. I had the bet show. Um, I have this show, and um, so I have not I have not been outside. But um, regardless, you haven't missed much. It's been raining all day. <laughs> I, I, I've been I've been I've been watching it from my window. Um, but regardless, before we start talking uh, Wells Fargo championship and trying to give our listeners some winners heading into the weekend uh, thoughts on the uh, the Philadelphia Miami game. Right. Like we weren't I, I hosted the bet digital show with Joe Fortenball earlier today at four o'clock. Even then. We had Tim Botemps on. He still, at that point in time, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, still was not 100% sure that Embiid was going to play. Um, Sure enough, he showed uh, showed up with that nasty mask. I love it. And uh, the 76ers took care of the Miami Heat by 20 points. Shocked? 
not, not really, especially with Embiid back. I'm, I'm kind of more shocked with Embiid played, and, and obviously they kept it under wraps pretty much. Nobody knew even as of 5 o'clock he was playing. But once he cleared concussion protocol, you had to figure he was going to put the mask on and play. And, you know, there was a lot of people I was talking to today that were like, well, before they make the move, take the three points with Philly if he plays at the steal. And they pretty much controlled the whole game. And with Embiid on that team, it's a as we know, it's a completely different team. He's an MVP candidate. Might very well might win the MVP next week. Um, at home, down 2-0. I still think the Heat win the series. Um, but the, the, there just aren't that many sweeps when you hit the conference semifinals on. All these teams are pretty good. Every single one of these teams left could legitimately claim the NBA title this year. So, you, you know, everyone who thought the Heat were just going to roll to a sweep, yeah, if Embiid didn't play, they very well could have rolled to a sweep. But he's a professional athlete. You're at home. You're down 2-0. We all know teams down 2-0 come out firing. They jumped out to a 10-point lead early, and that's really all it took. The Heat chipped away. Um, and I expect it to be a close game four. I still think it's the Heat series. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Heat win game four and then win it at home in five. That was actually one of the bets I took before the series was Heat in five. Um, we'll see. Um, the Heat are the better team, but Philadelphia at home tonight with Embiid showed up, and it's not, not that surprising, no. I, 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 listen, you know, am, am I surprised that Philadelphia won? No. Am I surprised they won by 20 and they held the Miami Heat to 79 points for a team that, Coming in, you know, I, I mean, defense wasn't their, you know, their wheelhouse. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, well, I am, they, they won by I, 20, I am pretty shocked about but it. It, it. It was a three-point game going into the fourth quarter. So, yeah, they won by 20, and it was just an ugly, ugly fourth quarter. But, you know, it, you're not going to see teams come out there every single night and fire. And the Heat obviously were sloppy tonight, a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots, only scored 79 points. But, you know, give credit to the Sixers for staving off what would have been the end of their season had they lost tonight. Uh, again, uh, David Behrman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, you've got a, a Dallas-Phoenix uh, Suns matchup, hot and heavy right now, and uh, Dallas at home up 59-46 to 46 with about nine minutes left in the third, just FYI. But again, I wanted to bring you on to talk about the Wells Fargo Championship taking place um, at uh, TPC Potomac. Potomac. <laughs> I can never pronounce it. Uh, just a stone's throw from uh, our nation's capital. Um, and at the top leaderboard is Jason Day, 10 under. Right by, behind him is Max Homa. Won some money today with Max Homa. Felt he was going to do well. Sure enough, he shot a 66. Denny McCarthy is right behind him as well at six under. He's tied for third. Grew up in Maryland, so not a big surprise. Very comfortable with this track and plays well in these bad weather conditions. You and I talked about it. We wrote about it in the column. I looked at a number of guys that I felt play well in bad conditions and also guys that were going to avoid the heavy rainfall the big winds, and the cold temperatures. And sure enough, I'm looking at the top leaderboard, and a lot of the guys that I played are there, like Luke List, like Keegan Bradley, like Brian Harmon. Um, so your, your thoughts on looking at this leaderboard right now heading into Saturday? Yeah, it was pretty ugly out there today, and, and you know some of those guys that you played are right there up there. As far as the, the weather, you know there are some guys in golf, it happens, you get – the wrong side of it. Believe it or not, the flights AM, PM, PM, AM actually were pretty close in terms of score. But some of the guys to get out there, and Jason Day went out early, really early, and got his three under, 10 under for the tournament, and 
he was out there watching. And, 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 and I think the most surprising thing, Anita, is a lot of the favorites, a lot of the chalk players, whether it be Corey Connors, Rory McIlroy, a lot of those guys barely made the cut, struggled. Again, they're on the wrong side of the draw. Corey Connors needed to hit a 14-foot putt on 18 just to make the cut, which he's not the world's best putter, so give him credit for that. But when looking at this leaderboard, you know, Jason Day, you know, played two really good rounds of golf, which not many people saw coming the way he's been playing recently. And one of the names you mentioned up there that I played that I really like is Keaton Bradley. This is the type of course that takes strong iron play. He's a good iron player who has also played extremely well the last couple of weeks. He's someone that I have in the top 20 and top 10, and I might double down with him this weekend and have him, have him get another maybe top 10 or top 5. And he's only two shots back, so I can also see him winning this thing. Uh, just to kind of give you some stats out there. So Jason Day, again, top of leaderboard, 10 under, three-shot lead heading into the weekend. Shot a 63 on Thursday. Wow, a 67 today. Um, golf data has him at 35% chance of winning this whole thing. Here's, here's what's interesting though. He's 66th in stroke gain off the tee and he's 25th in strokes gained around the greens, uh, compared to a number of other guys who have more in, like, for example, Luke list, he's six under, right? He's tied for third. He's four shots back. He's first in strokes gained uh, tee to green, and he's also first in strokes gained total. Uh, you can get him to win right now at 16 to 1. And I'm with you with Keegan Bradley. That's another guy that, that I played prior to the tournament, again, because expecting these horrible weather conditions, and he's a guy that just loves to play in that slop. So you can get Keegan Bradley to win this, and we know Saturday is moving day. He's four under. Right. So I'm sorry, he's five under. So he's five shots back. He's tied for seventh. But you can get him to win right now at 28 to one. I tell you, I like those odds, even though, again, uh, golf data is is giving Jason Day the 35 percent chance of winning when you do a deeper dive into his statistics and what's making him tick in regard to being at the top leaderboard. I just, I, I really, in, in liking these guys as well before the tournament even even began, I really do like List at sixteen to one, and I'm with you. I like Bradley at twenty eight to one as well. You also have young guy, uh, British guy Matt Fitzpatrick right there, who I played before the tournament started, sitting there at fourteen to one. Not as good odds as the other two we just mentioned, but Fitzpatrick is sitting there t ten minus four under par, put together two two under rounds and is six shots back. But all it takes really is Jason Day to have one bad round because everybody else is bunched up together. So um, by no means is this tournament over. And I think the plus 170 price on Jason Day is telling you that it's not over. So I think you have options, whether it's McCarthy, Fitzpatrick, Bradley, List. And, and there are other guys down there. You know, Abe Answer quietly has had a good, good tournament when he's actually someone I faded this week thinking that, you know, Mark Leishman, another good weather player, would would beat Abe Answer, and that didn't happen. Mark missed the cut, so we took that L. But he's sitting there at thirty-five to one to to, to come back and win again. All it takes is one Jason Day bat, and he may not. Jason might go wire to wire with this one, um, but if not, there's a whole bunch of names. You know, Answers three under, seven back, and we'll see what happens. Uh, before we let you go, uh, let's uh, look a little further down the road. The second championship or, or you know, uh, major of the year, I should say, in golf, and that's the PGA Championship. 
uh, taking place in Southern Hills. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's favorite track, by the way. Uh, that's what he did tell the media. John Rahm is favored, of course, coming off of a win last week in Mexico, 11-1. to 1. Justin Thomas right behind him at 12 to 1, along with Scotty Scheffler and Rory. Um, we know Cameron Smith is having an unbelievable season. He's 18 to 1. A lot of people like uh, Jordan Spieth as well, 20 to 1. Uh, is, there, is there a guy? I know we're a few weeks away, but is there a guy that you are eyeing right now for the PGA Championship? Well, to be honest, I made my first two PGA Championship bets on Wednesday night. I had a couple of uh, couple of free bets that were set to expire at one of the books here in Connecticut, and I had to split it up and chose Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy as the two guys that I put coin down on. They were free bets, so the true transparency, it wasn't money money. Uh, but I just, you know, I like the way Rory played at Augusta, and, you know, this is the type of track that I think he can win on. And, you know, I haven't been overly impressed with what he's done this week. Uh, but it is, you know, bad weather and all that. I think Rory can win that PGA Championship. Uh, Justin Thomas is more than due, and the last one he won was a PGA Championship. Um, and, and one name that you normally wouldn't think you'd sleep on because he's won four majors, including two of these PGA Championships, but Brooks Koepka sitting there at 16-1, to 1, uh, somebody that can quietly say, hey, no one's paying attention to me, it's major time, let's go, and I think the miscut at the Masters was a big surprise because he was playing pretty well entering the Masters, but he really just had two horrible back nines at the Masters. You look at what he did on the front nine at Augusta on Thursday and Friday, and he was right there, and he just could not play a main quarter pretty well. But I think Brooks Kepka is someone I'm going to keep my eye on at this tournament. You normally can't get him at 16 or 18 to 1, but he's someone I'm going to keep my eye on before it starts. Uh, before we let you go, I uh, want to let our listeners know, you know, what what, what can they find on ESPN.com, our chalk column? Uh, right now, as you mentioned off the top, we have our Kentucky Derby preview with yours, with, with Anita Marks and Krista Bear-Felica. There's actually a link on the quick links on the left-hand side of page one. Go out there and click on the Kentucky Derby preview. We also will have our UFC pay-per-view card bets out in the morning. That's there on ESPN Chalk, and we're, of course, continuing to do daily NBA and daily uh, Major League Baseball coverage. Both of those are on Chalk right now, and uh, we're, we're actually debuting a new column in the morning, betting the weekend, because there's nine different sports going on, including F1 in Miami on Sunday. we got the golf, UFC, Canelo's fighting this weekend, WNBA started tonight, NBA, hockey. So we're going to have a betting the weekend synopsis that will be out in the morning, so look for that. That's going to be our feature column tomorrow. Fantastic. David, thank you so much. Always great having you on the show. Appreciate you. H have a great weekend. Welcome back to Weekend Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. It is the first leg of the Triple Crown. This is one of my favorite times of the year and uh, kicks, it off, kicks off with uh, the Kentucky Derby. And so joining us, Mark DiLorenzo from Giddy Up Bets right here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Mark, welcome in. Welcome in. Ready to break it down for us? I am extremely ready, Nina. I wait all year for this day. So <laughs> happy, happy Kentucky Derby Day. First Saturday in May. It doesn't get any better than this. So let's print some money. All right. So, so this is what I want to do. I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge field. It's, it's 20 horses. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and so I, I want to kind of, I want to, I want to talk about all the great storylines surrounding this race. 
Um, and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll end, we'll put a big, I like to call it a big green bow on it. Uh, and, and you will, uh, you will instruct us how to wager on this as well. So let's start first and foremost with the favorites, right? Like Zandon, the tin horse, uh, three to one. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to see who the other and epicenter. These are the two favorites coming in to the Kentucky Derby. Talk about these two horses and why are they favored? Yeah, so like any other, I, I try to look at the Kentucky Derby like as any other race. There are tons of races every day, every weekend. I put tons of work into on GiddyUpBets.com. The Kentucky Derby, I try to look at is just another race, but again, because it's such a huge field and everybody wants to talk about it, and it's it leads to such great value of being 20 horses in the field that I start every race that I handicap the same way. You have to look at the favorites. So it's a great first question. The two favorites in the race are number 10, Zandon, and number 3, Epicenter. Let's start with Zandon. Zandon draws the best post in the race. Uh, when they load the horses into the gate, they go from 1 to 10 and then 11 to 20. Zandon will get into the gate last, and with a field of 20 horses and a massive field of young 3-year-olds, you don't want to be sitting around in there. And it's going to be able to pop in first and going to be fresh and should break well which is a huge advantage. Zandon ran, in my opinion, the best race prep leading into the race. Uh, the horse was ultra impressive in the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland uh, four weeks ago. This horse is bred to go longer. Chad Brown, the trainer, is one of the world's best trainers. He has not won a Kentucky Derby yet, but this is his best chance to do so. I think Zandon is a deserving favorite. One of the knocks that Zandon uh, it from, you know, from my chair here is that you are going to get a shorter price. He'll probably be five to two, three to one. He is training extremely well leading into the race. Uh, one of the issues is, is that in the huge field like this, to take three to one on a horse to bet to win, to key on top or to single in a pick four, five, or six, he's going to need a big-time trip. He does get the best jockey in the country aboard in uh, Flavian Pratt, who is taking off the mounts for Chad Brown. Uh, Zandon, for me, is, has a big shot in this race. He is one of the horses that I will use, as I say, on my A line and pick four, fives, and sixes. He is a definite candidate to win. I'm just not going to bet the horse to win three to one in a 20-horse field uh, on the first Saturday in May. That's just not my style. The other favorite would be number three, Epicenter, who has done nothing wrong. The only race that Epicenter lost three back, it dueled on the front end, just missed to a horse that I really liked that day at 20 to one. Uh, the horse is training well leading in. Steve Asensen, another world-class trainer who has never won a Kentucky Derby. I firmly believe this is probably his best chance to win of all of the starters that he has had previously. Uh, a couple of knocks on the horse, again, because you're going to be getting a short price, is that it draws a tough post. Uh, this horse has speed, is going to want to be forwardly placed, and it draws right inside one of the horses that has big speed in the race number four, Summer is Tomorrow. So it's going to need a big-time trip. The jockey, Joel Rosario, is a world-class jockey, but if you recall back to our conversation there on this time last year, the horse that I liked the Kentucky Derby was ridden by Joel Rosario, and the damn guy's foot fell out of the saddle, out of the gate, left the horse last. I don't think that's going to happen two years in a row. Another horse that has a chance, but again, I'm not going to bet to win. I feel that this is a horse that uh, has a big shot. Again, could be on your A-line in a pick four, five, or six. We'll bet to win on the horse, but he definitely has a chance to win, so I think that there are Kentucky Derbies where there are favorites that are not deserving. I feel that the two favorites here are deserving. So that's the, the two favorites, number three, epicenter, and number 10, Zanon. 
Well, I, you can hear uh, my dogs totally agree with you. He's excited. Um, He's excited. He's excited. <laughs> they can't wait. No, usually when there's a sporting event like this happening, you know, I'm just, I, I go berserk. They hide underneath the couch. So uh, they'll be, I don't know how excited they are about tomorrow. Post time is, uh, is, is close to seven o'clock. It's, it's, it's later than normal. Uh, nonetheless. All right. Let's, let's talk about two horses that I'm keeping an eye on because a, I'm hearing great things about them. You and I spoke earlier in the week. Also, I like the odds, 20 to one, 25 to one. Let's, let's start with charge it. Um, and that is the eight horse. Again, this is a field of 20. So it's really, it's, it's, you know, where, where you, uh, get your post, uh, is, is really crucial when it comes to a, a field this, uh, this large, correct? Yes. Uh, number eight, charge it, uh, trained by Todd Fletcher, written by Luis Saez, uh, Todd Fletcher, again, one of the world-class trainers. Uh, this was my take in the Florida Derby. He was uh, touted as a very talented three-year-old. He has shown tons of class. He has shown being very green, uh, meaning in horse terms that he is a little immature. Uh, I thought he was best in the Florida Derby. He sat a trip that was a that was tough, while the winner sat a perfect trip. Uh, charge it. He did everything he was supposed to do, but he was still green in the Kentucky Derby because there's 20 horses and there's a lot going on. I want a horse that's going to be sharp. Uh, this horse has lots of improvement to still do off of his run from last time out. Uh, he, he's a horse that I think can win. He just kind of looks to me like a Belmont Stakes horse. The Belmont Stakes is going to be in six weeks, going a mile and a quarter. That's kind of where Todd Pletcher really does his best. Um, I, I think Charge it, you know, he has a small chance. I would have talked anybody off the 20 to 1. I think he's going to be lower than 20 to 1. Uh, I just don't love him in the Kentucky Derby. Another horse I'm keeping an eye on is number 16, and that's Cyberknife. Again, a horse that you uh, could get at 20 to 1. Who knows? Um, and, uh, and, and, and I'm hearing a lot of great things about this horse. Uh, your, your thoughts on Cyberknife, horse number 16. Number 16, Cyberknife. Uh, I know we spoke a couple days ago kind of leading in, and I told you that this was kind of my pick, and I'm not going to get off of that for a couple of reasons. And here they are. Um, again, a horse start with a trainer, Brad Cox. He kind of backdoored into winning the Kentucky Derby last year because Medina Spirit got disqualified. So that's not a real win. He's still looking for his first Kentucky Derby win, but he did run second in with Mandaloon last year, uh, which is now going to be called the winner. Uh, Brad Cox has been saying for a while now, this is his best three-year-old. So I like to take these guys by their word because, you know, they're with these horses every day. I have been told by the guys in the backstretch that this horse – uh, has been doing very, very well. And he won the Arkansas Derby in his prep leading in, and he did it very professionally. I really like how he made a early move uh, between horses. Being able to rate, went early into a quick pace, extended away from a field, which a lot of people are going to say that wasn't the best field that he beat, but he did beat a filly that is going to run in the Oaks in a little while here beat a couple of horses that I think have a big chance on the undercard in the Pat Day Mile. Um, this horse is just as fast as anybody else in this race. I really like how he did it last time out. He's rounding into form. His only bad race was a three-back when he put blinkers on. He's not going to have blinkers on. He owns the fastest first quarter time in the mile, which means uh, his first time out run, he went from the gate to the first quarter in 21-4, and four, meaning he has front foot. Uh, again, kind of in more horse terms, he's going to be forwardly placed. And in the Kentucky Derby, that's kind of where you want to be. If you kind of look back over the past couple of years, 
specifically over the last 10 years, horses like Justify, uh, Mandaluna Medina Spirit last year, Just uh, American Pharaoh, uh, Authentic when they had the Kentucky Derby in September. Uh, these horses were either on or close to the lead. That's where I believe this horse is going to be. The 16 post doesn't bother me. It's going to keep him away from the inside, and any horse is kind of banging around next to him. He should follow number 17 that has big speed if 17 decides to go. Number 16, Cyberknife, is my pick. I think you're going to get around the 20 to 1 price, 18 to 1. That's exactly what type of that's the type of bet I want to make. I'm going to bet a, make a win bet on Cyberknife. I'm going to bet this horse key on top in trifectas and superfectas and uh, try to make a bunch of money. Uh, Mark DiLorenzo joining us here on 90.7 ESPN from Giddy Up Bets. Uh, some other, two other horses I, I, I want to chat with you about, and these are horses that are trained by Bob Baffert, but of course we know Bob Baffert is not allowed uh, at the racetrack. So, uh, so they have a different name uh, under the trainer, um, for these two horses, but you, you, you can't gloss over them because at the end of the day, as we know, they're really trained by Bob Baffert, right? Well, who are those two horses yeah. and, and how are you going to utilize them in, in the Derby? Yeah, let's talk about that because I feel like that's very important. And of the, all the different conversations and different shows and things I've been on, you know, the, the name Bob Baffert really comes up because he's dominated this race. Bob Baffert is obsessed with winning the Kentucky Derby. He had success in the 90s. Uh, he has had tons of success over the past couple of years because he goes to the sales and he picks out horses specifically to win the Kentucky Derby. He's looking for long, striding, high cruising rate type of horses that once he puts them through his program, trains them the way he does, feeds them what he does, these horses break sharp, they're near the front end, and they, they tend to last down the stretch. So let's talk about number six, Messier, named after Captain Mark Messier of the Stanley Cup winning New York <laughs> Rangers. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Messier, got, he, he ran second in the Santa Anita Derby last time out. Uh, there was really nothing wrong with his effort. He broke a little slow. He got passed by the other Bob Baffert horse, who is number 12, Tabia, in the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, there's not too many knocks here other than, like you said, it's not Bob Baffert. Uh, I I think that this horse has a lot of talent. It's one of the faster horses in the race. My one issue, though, is is that Bob Baffert horses that win the Kentucky Derby, they don't get passed. This horse did get passed by, of course, the other Bob Baffert horse uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Santa Anita Derby. I thought that he should have finished better. That was his first race uh, off of a long layoff. It was the prep leading in. Horses that have finished second, third, or fourth in the Santa Anita Derby have had a lot of success in the Kentucky Derby. He's a player. There are a lot of people out there that I talk to that have very sharp minds in the horse game that like this horse. I think he's going to be lower than 8-1. to one. I don't find that that's value. He should be near the front end. I think that there should be other speed in the race. I, I, I'm i kind of against in a way. Can he win? Sure. These Bob Baffert horses can win. I don't love him. The other Bob Baffert horse, number 12, Tabia, this is the horse that went right by Messier last time. Tabia is lightly raced. A horse has never won the Kentucky Derby, only running twice. This will be Tabby's third uh, effort, uh, third race this year. He's lightly raced on seasons in a field of 20 horses. Again, taking a short price, it's not something that I love. The horse is 12 to 1 morning line, so I can't say that the price is going to be that low. I think that the horse will probably take some money just because of the fact that the last, this last out figure 
uh, thoroughbred she figures something that I use is something a lot of people that bet on horses use. This horse has the fastest number leading into the race. Because it's lightly raced, because it's slash Bob Baffert, I think this horse is going to take some money. Again, there's another horse that it's, it's just tough to overlook these Bob Baffert horses. I'm willing to let both of the Bob Baffert slash Tim Yaxine horses beat me uh, on Saturday. Uh, last but not least, the other horse I, I want to tee up for you is uh, the Japanese horse, Crown Pride, the seven horse. Uh, right now I'm looking at 20 to 1. Uh, talk about just, it, it's, it seems like, the, you know, Japanese horse owners have found the secret formula genetically uh, to engineer and breed these phenomenal horses and then come over here to the United States and j- just kick everybody's butt on dirt. Um, are, are, you, <laughs> are you feeling the same way? And are you going to be using, utilizing Crown Pride? Uh, in uh, in any of your exact or trifecta picks? I feel there was a lot of truth with everything that you just said, except the last word that you said was dirt. Um, the Japanese horses are bred royally. They put a lot of money into the game, and these horses are world-class on the turf. Uh, on turf, was a Japanese... sorry, turf. Yeah. That, no, that's that's perfectly fine because you're not really wrong either, which you know, this is kind of the, the, wish, the, the, the word that's out there. There was a Japanese horse that won the Breeders' Cup Distaff, which is the uh, classic version of the female race in the Breeders' Cup back in November, uh, which surprised a lot of people at 40 to 1. There were about 100 things that needed to happen for that Japanese filly to win the Breeders' Cup Distaff back in November. Uh, it got a huge pace to close into. Uh, there were a couple horses that didn't show in that race, but that's kind of besides the point because this is a completely different horse. This is a three-year-old that won the UAE Derby in Dubai. Uh, a couple uh, in March 26th. Uh, the horse was forwardly placed that day. There were a few horses in that race that didn't fire. The track was kind of speed biasy that day. I meaning in horse terms that you wanted to be close to the front ends. I thought that the field was a little weak. The horse comes in. There's a lot of uh, talking around the you know in the barns in the morning that this horse is training very well. I just want to. I'll believe it when I see it. It's very, very tough for a horse like this to come in and win a Kentucky Derby. The, tr- the, the jockey is one of the top jockeys in the world in Japan, but he's never ridden in a Kentucky Derby before. There's a lot that has to go right for this horse to win. If you think that this horse has a chance at 20-1, to 1, I cannot talk you off of it. But I just feel that, again, I, I'm, I'm, I look, I'm a big t- person, I'm a big-time horse player that looks for patterns and things that I – that they're pointing in the right direction. This horse has a few things going for it, but I'm willing to let a horse bred in Japan, trained in Japan, who has a very unorthodox training style leading into the Kentucky Derby. I'd let this horse beat me before that I would bet my own money on it. If, I, if you think that this horse has a chance, I, I, again, I can't really talk you off of it because 20 to 1 is, is 20 to 1. It's, it's tough to, to find 20 to 1. You know how hard it is to hit a 20 to 1 parlay in a football game, but I, I, I'm not in love with horse. All right. So with that being said, I woke up to you. We're at the track. I said, Mark, hold my hand. Take me to the window. Um, how, how, are we, how are we betting the Kentucky Derby? All right. So I'm going to answer this in two separate ways. I hope that's okay with you. If of course, no, Derby, I mean, listen, listen, there's, you know, you just, you just don't make, as we know, you just don't make one bet. So share with us all the ways that all the tickets uh, that you're putting in uh, for, for this race. What? So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this in two ways. One, if this is your one day a year that you're playing the horses and you want to have some fun, you're gonna have a few cocktails and you're gonna hang out with your friends. 
use a bunch of horses, box a bunch of horses, play some birthdays, have a good time, candy cap the race, play box three or four horses in an exact, in a trifecta, in a superfecta. If you play horses a lot like I do, I'm looking for a horse that's value. I like to key a horse. So let's answer this two ways. If I was, if this was my one shot a year and I'm going to, I'm going to play the Kentucky Derby, I want to make a ton of money off of a small bet. I'm going to box in an exacta and then in a trifecta. Number 16, Cyberknife. Number 12, Tabia. Number 10, Zandon. And number three, Epicenter. The horse that I like the most is Cyberknife, who's going to be the biggest price. I think that this horse is worth a win bet. I bet a few bucks to, on this horse to win. Uh, I would play pick threes, pick fours, using the horses that I just named. Number three, uh, Epicenter. Number 10, Zandon. Number 12, Tabia. Number 16, Cyberknife. And pick threes, pick fours in the earlier races and then the later races. So let's answer it the second way. If you're a type of person like myself that's going to play these races all day today, you play every weekend, you got to take a stand. I'm going to take a stand with number 16, Cyberknife meaning I'm going to go to the window, I'm going to bet 100 to win on Cyberknife. I'm going to bet this horse on top in Exotics, meaning I'm going to bet this horse on top in Exactives with the horses that I named before, number three, Epicenter, number 10, Zandon, number 12, Tabia. I'm going to then come back around, and I'm going to bet the Trifecta with Cyberknife on top, number 60, Cyberknife on top, and the Trifecta with those three horses again. I'll then spread around a little bit more in using Cyberknife on top with Epicenter number three, Modonagal a little bit underneath, uh, Messier underneath, Charge It number eight underneath, number 10, Zanzan underneath. But again, I'm going to be sticking to them that very first slot, number 16, Cyberknife. I feel the horse is going to be probably 18 to one. Uh, that's just a ton of value for me. And when you have a strong opinion like this, you want to make that strong opinion count. And if you know what, Cyberknife takes this wrong step backwards, maybe gets bumped around a little bit going into the first turn, doesn't show up that day. There's a very nice race 25 minutes later in race 13 at Churchill Downs, and I got and I, there's a few horses that I like in there. I feel like just like in any type of gambling atmosphere, if you spread too much, if you use too many teams, you use too many horses, you start to dilute the, the obvious value. That's not what I'm about. I've had a little bit of success trying to press horses that I like, and the horse that I like the most in this year's Kentucky Derby is number 16, Cyberknife. So away we go. Great stuff, Mark. So appreciate you. Uh, great analysis, breaking down all the horses, and uh, and definitely giving our, our listeners out there uh, an idea of, of how exactly uh, they can wager and have some fun. Uh, with this year's Kentucky Derby. I really appreciate it. Again, uh, Mark DiLorenzo joining us from Giddy Up Bets. Why don't you let the folks know how can they find you? Where can they see all your picks? Uh, because, you know, as we know, it's 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 a plentiful card uh, of uh, of a lot of racing that's going to be taking place. So where can where can they go to find all your other plays? Yeah, 14 races tomorrow at Churchill alone. It's a fantastic day to have fun, make a bunch of money, and <laughs> enjoy the greatest sport in the world. Uh, you can find me at giddyupbets.com, uh, named after the great Cosmo Kramer, who he likes to say giddy up when his mother was a mother on Seinfeld. Uh, you can email me at mark, M-A-R-K, at giddyupbets.com. Please shoot me an email. I'll send you out my information for the day, and uh, let's try to print some money and have a good time. Fantastic. Uh, again, thank you so much. Really do appreciate you. Uh, again, uh, big thanks to uh, Mark DiLorenzo. 
Uh, also, we had Greg Wyshynski on the show earlier. If you missed that, keep in mind uh, this show, We Can Wager, is up on our new app. Um, hopefully you downloaded it to your iPhone or your Droid. And you can go back, you can listen to Greg breaking down the Rangers-Penguins game for Saturday, which is awesome. Uh, David Behrman, who was on with us uh, earlier as well, talking about the uh, Wells Fargo heading into the weekend. Uh, some golf plays. A lot going on, right? Like NBA, Major League Baseball's in action. We've got the NHL playoffs. We've got the Kentucky Derby. Man, it's going to be a great weekend. I know weather conditions here uh, in the tri-state aren't going to be fantastic, and I know it's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mothers out there. Um, but, uh, but hopefully sports will, uh, will, will, will pique our interest and in, in keep us entertained. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Week in Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. Brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Have a great weekend. I'm back on tomorrow at noon, noon to three. The Ina Mark Show, that's me, here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.